to the Hue You Know podcast where we discuss all things relative to media and entertainment, all designed to support our what? Career growth. From networking to breaking in the industry to climbing up these ranks, whether you're a newbie in the industry or a veteran, this podcast is for you. My name is Shirley Brene Williams and I am your host, executive producer, director extraordinaire. And today's guest, plural, is our first pair on the show. Uh, We have the Holland West production founders, Warren Oliver and Kurt Williamson. Established in 2012, Holland West Productions is an award-winning full-service creative production company that specializes in commercials, branded campaigns, original content, political content, social awareness spots, and corporate presentations. Founders Kurt Williamson and Warren Oliver have 40 years of combined experience as creative directors and producers who have overseen projects of multiple formats from development to delivery. Together, they have hired over 1,000 freelancers across the country to execute groundbreaking programs. Some of their most notable projects include When We All Vote, Netflix Strong Black Lee, and a promotional spot for Netflix Homecoming documentary produced by Beyonce, the queen. And there's so much more that y'all have done since that. We got to update this bio. Alongside content production for clients, Holland West also develops and produces its own intellectual property, including the upcoming docuseries, All the Boys, and the award-winning short film, Four Seasons. Holland West is passionate about creating images that uplift, educate, and inspire the masses. Hey, Warren. Hey, Kurt. Hey, what's up? Hey, hey. Thank y'all for being here. Thanks for having us. Uh, Piggybacking out that that last sentence, why are you passionate about creating images that uplift and educate and inspire the masses? What drives that? I think what inspires is I always... um wanted to well there was a point where i didn't know what i was doing and and i didn't know what i wanted to do like in life i think uh you didn't have a clue well i I think in terms of my my career like i started off in graphic design um i had a lot of mentors who were in graphic design as well but i think they um they really helped me uh sort of create the um sort of mold the person that I am now and like the direction I wanted to go outside of graphic design. I know I always wanted to direct. I know I always wanted to own something because they own companies. And so I think, I think about it the same way where like, it's, it's um, sure. I want to tell amazing stories, but at the same time, um, I, I do want to create sort of an institution where I can like bring others along. That's, you know, I know we're, we're small at the moment, but I hope I always say that I always want to just hire everybody and all my friends. So I think it's really like, you know, um, and this is, you know, yeah, I, I want to create sort of like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a melting pot of just like, you know, black creatives or, you know, um, where we could all, you know, we could, where everybody can create amazing stories, um, not just ourselves. What about you, Kurt? What drives your passion for wanting to inspire and educate the world? mainly misrepresentation um i think you know our image is uh put out there by mostly you know in in the past and everything by people who weren't of our color or of 
our background and they try to interpret um, our life and our lifestyles. Um, and a lot of times it's incorrect. And um, I think having the control to be able to, uh, yeah, to be able to control that narrative a little bit more, um, not a little bit more, but a lot, we need to control our own narrative. Um, we don't need to be, uh, you know, kind of cornered into, you know, certain stereotypes and things like that, um, that I think the media kind of puts out there. So things are getting better, um, you know, from the time when I grew up, you know, being born in the seventies to now, um, but, you know, we still got a ways to go because we need to be, um, owning more companies, production companies, owning more studios, owning more networks. Um, so, you know, just on the, sh that's, that's the passion behind all of that. That's dope. How, how did y'all meet? Uh, we met in, uh, I, I'm just, I want to say 2001. Um, I was working at HBO. Uh, Kurt was working at MTV and our mutual best friend, uh, Chike or Chike, um, was working at MTV who I went to college with. And so I was going to hang out with him at the, at MTV at the lodge. And, you know, they had already, I think, uh, Chike and Kurt and our other friend, Chris and a whole bunch of us, Jasmine, they had already had, a, you know, met each other. And so by me just going over there, I, I met everybody. I met Kurt and I met everybody else that we are now like still tight with. Are we talking about Chike that the the dude uh, him and his buddy yeah. that uh, produced the Kanye yeah. joint? Yeah, right. oh, Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so y'all met, and then what? How did we get to walk me to how we how we got to Holland West Productions? Both of us had production companies um, uh, that you know we kind of did on the dolo tip, and then um, we we started. We there was this one project that. Um, there was a race car driver and I was doing something for MTV and he was an indie car racer. Um, so I knew Snoop Warren liked uh, race car driving and all that stuff. So I was like, Hey, you know, it was like one night we were just drinking together with uh, this race car driver. And I was like, Hey, want to do like a profile, like some, something for your website. And so, um, he was like, sure, you know, we came, went down to like Kansas City where he had like a racetrack he was practicing on and we shot this like profile, put this like real cool piece together and uh, we started showing it to people because we wanted to be able to do commercials. So um, started showing it to like, you know, potential clients and things like that. And people were like, oh, this is good. You know, what else do you all do? And we started showing like individual work that we did because we didn't really work together other than that little project. And uh, then we're like, you know what, let's, you know, put something together. At first it was going to be like this huge, like I had this idea for like this huge uh, uh, production company with everybody black that I could even think of. And then Warren was like, man, you need to scale that down a little bit because that just sounds like a mess. And so it, it ended up just being me and him. And uh, yeah, we, we kept going from there. The real help was uh, also too, was when the, um, the Canon 5D first came out. Cause like, I wasn't really shooting like that. Like I was, I was directing, but I was directing like, 
you know, campaigns that were graphic heavy, you know, and Kurt was all, already in like, you know, doing shows and producing, you know, help producing the VMAs and stuff. So he was fully in production. I wasn't really in production like that. It was really when we got the Canon 5D when I started shooting. And then I started working with, I started, we started just shooting. Everybody had a Canon 5D, so everybody was running around shooting stuff, videos, yeah. whatever we could. Yeah. And so after a while, it was like, well, since we got this, we sort of had equipment. I kind of had, I only had a camera and like two lenses. Kurt had like built up like 20 lenses and like lights and all this stuff. So he was fully capable of doing shoots. And so it was just like, hey, let's, you know, let's, you know, that's kind of how it started. I would work at like Fuse and different places to like do get money to, and you know, my tax refund and stuff like that to get money to get camera equipment and like buy all this stuff. And there was this one uh, opportunity because I was working at Fuse, you know, on that hustle to try to get all this equipment. And I had this idea, I was like, you know, since we're going to try to start this company, um, let's, you know, I pitched us as a company to do uh, coverage for the all-star game. I can't remember what year that was. And so, uh, yeah, 2014, we didn't have any cameras. We didn't have the, the, the broadcast quality cameras yet. And so I was just like, yeah, you know, um, you know, me and Warren, we have a company and everything and we got all the equipment and everything. Let's do it. You know, let us get this, uh, this project. And so they were like, sure. And so that night, you know, as soon as they said, sure, we went out and used our credit cards and bought cameras <laughs> and did this project. And, um, that kind of started, uh, like, you know, us, us as a real company with equipment and things like that. And, uh, Tiffany Jackson, she was working at, um, uh, Fuse at the time. And she's the one who kind of like helped us get in there to do this project. So, uh, she ended up being our first line producer. So Warren, would you say that you starting out, you were more of like the creative and Kurt was more of like production management? No, we both were creatives because by that time, Kurt had created, um, Kurt had came off, he was coming off of, uh, well, three years before that, he was coming off of um, uh, Harlem Heights that was on BET. So he was already doing like stuff that was, you know, creative. It's just that he had more production experience than I did, you know, as far as like, like I really didn't, I, I eventually edited most of our projects, but, you know, he knew how to edit and stuff. I was still doing graphics. So like, you know, um, yeah, I had to learn sort of from scratch, just sort of like just the lingo, really. I think a lot of it was like language that I just wasn't used to, or just like, you know, on set etiquette and stuff like that. Like, you know, what, you know, um, it's not like I wasn't around it. I just wasn't, you know, I was, again, I was coming from a different lens. So um, we're both, yeah, we're both on the creative tip um it's just yeah like to ground us in a little bit of like your background and history what are some projects that you guys have worked on before Holland West was formed uh I'll say for me at HBO like my crown jewel was uh was uh working on the campaigns for Deaf Poetry Presents Russell uh, Deaf, Russell Simmons Presents Deaf Poetry so I did the campaigns from 04 to 06 and then I also worked on a lot of like, you know, um, 
HBO documentary campaigns, like um, opening title. I actually did a promo for, it was a movie with Most Def uh, where he played a heart surgeon called Something the Lord Made. And they ended up using my promo graphics for the actual movie itself. So I had to create a whole package for that. Um, yeah, those are some of the, I mean, it's a laundry list of stuff, but those like the most like notable ones. What about you, Kurt? Yeah, I was over at I was over at MTV, so I started there as an intern and moved up all the way to producer. So I worked on like VMAs, I worked on Direct Effect for a long time. It was a show with uh DJ Clue and Lala, Anthony, um um man, so many different shows. Say what karaoke, it it goes way back. But then um started creating shows, so I helped create this show with uh my friend Butterman. It was called Hood Fab that was on MTV Two and MTV Jams, and then uh, created uh, the show, this docu series called Harlem Heights that was on BET, uh, like two thousand nine or something like that. So um, those were some of the notable things. Kurt, with you uh, being at the helm of developing so much content, what would you say is like the secret sauce to developing a show and getting it sold? I'm pretty sure so many people want that answer. If there is a sauce. I think our approach to it is a little different. Uh, a lot of people, you know, some people have great connections. Some people, uh, you know, have a crazy track record, you know, of, of making hits and stuff like that. We don't have like a ton of um, shows that we pitched and got out there, but we have, a, you know, a couple and some in the works. So um, our, we may take the hard road. I don't know if that's, you know, this is the best way of doing it, but we always like shoot tape. So we shoot, you know, you know, profile, like uh, interviews and things like that for cast. We do the casting. We shoot like a whole, like, because, you know, if you don't have like the, the track record of, you know, throwing out hit shows all over the place, then you know we have to show what we can do so we usually put everything we got you know we'll put money aside to uh to make a tape that looks like you know this is a you know two hundred thousand dollar uh episode you know a snippet of one because uh you know we'll get the locations we'll do the casting we get story editors all types of stuff going on and uh just make something really slick because Paper can show you so much, you know, an idea could be awesome and everything, but if you don't have like the video to back it up, um, you know, it's kind of hard to sell it unless you, you know, a superstar or something like that. So um, for us, that's, that's the way we, we go about it. People do come to us now, like, and go like, Hey, I got a bunch of, you know, ideas, but I'm, and a lot of these you know, networks and platforms, they'll just say, oh, just send us log lines. We want anything. But then you send them anything and then you send them a log line. And then if they do like the idea, if your track record isn't deep, then it's just like, I just feel like, I mean, I'm sure I'm not going to say it doesn't happen where somebody, you know, who's not known can get a show off, which it has happened. But in most cases, it's like I would suggest filming some tape or something because they're eventually going to tell you, oh, I like this log line. Go shoot some tape. So you still end up shooting tape anyway. So 
you know, um, unless you're walking in with a legitimate like celebrity who's like, oh, I got, you know, Serena Williams attached to it. And they're like, oh, for real? Then more than likely you're probably going to get a show. Um, so I think it depends. Yeah. I think film and tape is smart. Plus, plus tape lasts forever, you know. So, um, I mean, Harlem Heights, we shot the tape two years before it got sold, you know. So, like, that thing went around over and over again to so many networks. And we had so many no's here and there. And then it came doubled back around the BET and ended up getting picked up there, uh, which was, you know, great. But... Um, I don't know if we didn't have that tape, you know, if we were just saying like, oh, you know, this is a story about, you know, up and coming black professionals in Harlem. You know, I think that would have got lost in the sauce. So the tape makes an impact. So what what is Harlem West working on currently? We're, we're doing something with Bloomberg Philanthropies. Uh, we're doing something with a brand. Uh we're developing other shows that we're trying to put out there. Um, we've, you know, we we've done a few tapes. We're about to have a call about a tape that we just uh, shot in Wyoming. So um, a lot of different stuff out there. But yeah, we do continue to work with brands, like Kurt said, uh, and then we're up for like a couple of shows. I mean, obviously there's Yo. We're praying or knocking on wood that season two comes back. You know, um, I think it would be a missed opportunity if it doesn't come back, but um, I'm hoping it does because uh, it would be I think it would be it would be even better and bigger um, if if we get a season two. Let's talk about MTV Yo Raps. How did y'all get that reboot? We got it through a friend of ours. Uh, you may know Esteban Serrano. Um he was uh he's a creative director over there at MTV or something like that. Uh he's big cheese over there. And uh he had did some work with us. Um, but I have known him since, you know, he's almost like a little brother. Um ever since I had worked at MTV, he worked at TRL and we were both, you know, tall dudes with curly hair and, you know, just trying to make it. So uh we um he had worked with us recently on like a project we did with Pepsi and uh, he called, called me up and said, Hey, you know, we're trying to bring back your MTV raps. Are y'all interested in producing? I was like, what? Like, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I, I, I didn't think we really get it, but you know, we ended up doing it. Um, and I think the, you know, I grew up at MTV basically. Like I started there, you know, when I was 21 um, and stayed there for nine years, uh, knew that place inside and out, was a big hip hop fan, worked on direct effect and stuff like that. Uh, grew up watching Yo! MTV rap. So it was just perfect, you know, and Warren's a big hip hop head, you know. So, and we just, you know, they let us do it the way we wanted, put our spin on it and, um, had an amazing crew and worked through this pandemic, you know, mostly on zoom, you know, for months and months and months, and then got together and shot that thing in like four days or something like that. Well, like the entire season. Mm -hmm. What? Yep. How? We did two shows. It was a like, day. 
two shows a two day. Two episodes a day. <laughs> yep. But we had worked on it for like so long. How long were y'all in free from? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, I think uh, we started in like October, mm-hmm. and then we didn't shoot till February. Oh, wow. What what took so so long? Was it the the talent? Was it building set? Was it locking in a a location? Um, It was just, yeah, I think it was a little of everything. I mean, even even before October, we just, we literally just chatted all the time about how the show should even be all summer, basically, of how the show should look and feel. So there's all those conversations. By the time we got to October, we were already, we had already picked like the production designer so it was like talking to him, getting him started, you know, you know, you getting all the pieces together in October. We were we were supposed to film before before Thanksgiving, but it just was too soon. So that's why it just made sense to push it to February. What was one of your favorite episodes? My favorite one was uh the one with IDK. I I always say that cuz uh he, he was just the most surprising one to me uh because we were having some issues where you know like you know some talent was you know um confirming and they weren't or we're waiting and waiting waiting and uh one of the people on the team said hey check out this dude idk and i was like word so like this was after like rehearsal or something like that i'm driving in the car i was listening to the album i was like oh man this dude's dope and then I started going crazy. I was like, Snoop, you gotta listen to this. Everybody gotta listen. Like, and then uh I called uh Jen Demi, who was our like executive in charge over at uh Viacom. I was like, yo, we gotta get this dude on. And she was like, All right, go for it, you know. And he just shows up, him and his manager, nobody else in his DJ, like just comes in with a bubble coat and some Michael Jackson socks and some penny loafers. And like he had the most amazing story. Because he like was born in London, uh, grew up in Maryland, went to jail, ended up teaching about uh, prison reform at Harvard, uh, doing stuff with Kanye and Nike and all this crazy stuff. And then the song was crazy because that he performed because uh, he was saying like the most like lewd stuff you could ever say over this house beat, this Katrina beat. And this was, you know, before Beyonce started, you know, blowing up house again, I guess. So, like, it was just all off the wall. Like, I was just like, yo, this dude is wild. Yeah, his is IDK. I say because I'm a fan. I think Freddie Gibbs is my favorite. But, yeah, Fr- Freddie, <laughs> Freddie Gibbs is my favorite. Um, yeah, Freddie Gibbs is my favorite. But all of them were, like, really good. Um yeah, all of them are really good. Let's talk a little bit about like running a, a company. Uh, I I hear all the time, very successful people say, when you go into business partnerships, you want to choose, you, you want to choose a partner the way that you choose your spouse. Like this is someone who you want to be very intentional and purposeful and careful around like, who it is that you're entering into partnership with. What is it about y'all's relationship that makes this work? I think, uh, yeah, we were already friends anyway. So it just, you know, it, it worked out. Like, I think, uh, you know, we had been part of this uh, company called Camp 
you know, and it was kind of like one of those, like everybody black, you know, who worked at MTV type, you know, companies. Chike was a part of it, our friend Antonio. And like it uh it was it was cool, but you know, at the time I think all of us were like in our, you know, early twenties. Some of us had some real high egos and stuff like that. So it was just like it was a lot. And sometimes like me and Warren, we just find ourselves like, all right, whatever they doing over there, like, <laughs> like that's cool and all, let them roll. And then we were just like, you know, why not, you know, do this? So we we both had like kind of like the same temperament about a lot of things, you know, as far as like, you know, we don't believe in all the hype sometimes and you know, definitely don't like to follow or anything like that. So, um, and, and we both wanted to get money, you know? So like, um, I came off of doing Harlem Heights at BET where, um, it was, it was hard because there wasn't a second season for some reasons. And, um, I was just like, I was just kind of fed up with TV all in general. So I was just like, man, I want to do commercials now, you know, I want to do branded content. I know there's a way we could do it. And I knew um, Warren had a, a real good eye for like commercials and the promos that he was doing at HBO and things like that. So I was like, you know, that, that made sense. And, you know, he was on the same page, like, you know, let's, let's do this, this get this fast money and do these commercials where we're in and out and make a, a ton of change. So, um, that's how we started up. So we, we kind of had the same mindset. Um, and I think that's what made it work for us. Yeah. It's like, if they say you shouldn't go into business with your friends, but I don't know how else I would do that. I don't know if I can pick somebody that I don't know to go into business with and say, Hey, let's try it out. You know, unless we really knew each other. Yeah. I don't know if I could meet somebody I'd known for two years and be like, let's try a business together. I, I don't know. Um, um, and it was risky. I mean, we didn't know it was going to really, really work. You know, like, you know, I was, you know, I was still doing graphics. Kurt was still taking freelance gigs. So we really didn't start making money until like the third, you know, fourth year. And then even at one point, I just stopped. I got very tired of doing graphics and going in and out of like design shops. And so at some point I was just all in Holland West. So there was times where I was living on the credit card because I just refused to go into it or people just wasn't calling me because I just wasn't, I don't know if because I just seemed like I was unenthused to keep doing graphics, but people would call me for it all the time. But after a while, I was just like, I'm just going to do Holland West and that's it. Um, so, uh, you know, but it was tough because people definitely like, I felt like, there was a lot of times where, you know, it's, it's and it still continues when you knew people definitely will take the new part and like run with it, you know, especially when you're trying to like get decent rates and things like that, or like get what you're worth. And then when you grow, a lot of people don't understand or don't like the growth because they're like, oh, now you're too expensive, you know, or whatever, whatever. So it's just, it's just, it just takes and then but you got to be honest with yourself and realize like all right well at some point it's not that you're getting too big for the project but at some point you got to go like nah we can't take that one or you know you know it's it's, it's, and it's not being arrogant it's just like well now we got expenses now we got production insurance like some people think you could just like 
come through with a camera and shoot some stuff and then, you know, wreck the car and not, you know, who pays for the car? <laughs> like, who pays for the damages? What if somebody gets hurt? Now you got workers' comp. Now you got insurance. Now you got people. Now we got a, you know, a, a, a EIC. Now we got an executive assistant. Now we got the production manager. Like, you got to grow. Like, you know. Funny, somebody just hit me up today. He was like, oh, how deep is your crew? Can you all do uh, a three-camera, you know, hair and makeup? This, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, we can. I'm thinking he's thinking, like, um, you know, I'm just going to call up everybody and, um, you know, get them to do all of this stuff. And maybe I shoot two or something like that. And, you know, I was like, it's going to be a production fee for that, you know. So, like, you got to let people know, like, you know, it's – you know, every, everything ain't the same all the time. You know, it ain't how it used to be sometimes. Yeah, which I'm always surprised that we still kind of get those. And it's no slight. But, like, when you do look at the website, I sometimes I'm like, you. there's no way you thought that that was just, like, us showing up with a camera. Like, <laughs> the first, like, the first thing you see on there is a Dwayne Wade commercial. <laughs> like, it's, I don't know where you thought that's where you, you know. And I'm not saying we don't do that, but it's just, like, I just think that there's a certain type of, you know, person that doesn't get that type of call, you know, like there's no, like there's the, the research is done before you pick up the phone. And, you know, like that's what I feel like is a thing that it's like, I don't know what that is, but like you ain't calling Jesse Collins going like, Hey man, can you do this? You think you can do this thing? Like it's just, it's like you do the research on the people you want to call. If I want to call you for something, I'm going to find out what Shirley does before I just call her and say, hey, can you show up with an FS7 and shoot something for me? You might be like, what, I don't even, what are you talking about? Like, I got to get a DP for that. Or, you know, this is who I have on my team. So, you know, um, there's some, there's some, there's some, you know, I, I try to push it under the, br- you know, what is it, water under the bridge or whatever they say, because there's some calls you're just like, this is crazy. You know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, you just got to be, you got to be okay with the growth and you got to be okay sometimes saying no. And it's not saying you don't want to take every, you know, we could take everything, but I think we'll go insane trying to take everything. And then at some point you got to, you got to, you know, we want to create shows. Kurt wants to direct movies at some point. I do too. So then you got to like, think about that shift, you know, or, you know, like, or like, if, you know, like, yo, if we would have, you know, I mean, we got, they they really trusted in us with with yo, but I just feel like um, everything we've had to do has been like a, a trial run because everybody's like because a lot of things we don't get phone calls for that it's gonna take somebody like Jen and Esteban to believe in us to do it just like Gideon Gideon we didn't do national commercials but Gideon who was at an agency trusted in us to say nope Holland West can do these commercials for Walmart with Patty Labelle and you know we did a deck we so you know we won the job so how have your roles and responsibilities as founders evolved and changed over time i think it's like fielding calls you know like you know we get calls for like different gigs and stuff like that so like you know checking that out um doing maintenance of our own company you know there's insurance there's people that got to get paid, you know, there's, uh, uh, you know, treatments and things to do. So like, kind of like, you know, 
it's like running a house. So, you know, you just got to, you know, keep things in, keep things tidy, keep things in order, make sure the bills are paid, you know? So, um, that that's pretty much it. You know, some days are different than, than others. You know, some days we're probably a little bit chill. Some days we're like, you know, now like people are sending us like scripts and stuff or, you know, other, um, you know, RFPs or, you know, ideas and stuff like that. So, you know, if we have time, uh, we have to, you know, spend our time like looking at that stuff and seeing like what we're going to get into next. So yeah, a lot of, you know, maintenance. Yeah, a lot of maintenance. Sometimes it can get kind of crazy because like you do realize that when we first, I don't know, I think I thought when we first started, I was like, oh, we're going to be a directing duo. And I didn't really see, I, for some reason, my brain didn't see full service production company. So they, there's like, it's, it's one thing to be two directors and just focus solely on directing, but there's the company too. So now you got, and now we got three more people. So there's like, a, you got to, you know, you got three more lives to sort of like worry about, including ourselves, including how to, you know, the, the running of the company, including those, those really simple bills you get in the, you get from New York State or California. You're like, what is that? And like now you didn't <laughs> you spend days calling, you know, working with your accountant, calling them Cal State of California trying to figure out why you got a bill <laughs> that you don't know where it came from. Cause you know, you're a company owner, you're not just directors. You know, you gotta you gotta manage everything. Until you get to that point where you can have a business person or development business business biz dev person that could like focus just on all that stuff and you know just let me and kurt create which is the ultimate goal at some point you know to get a legit ceo or somebody in here that could like help us run run the joint like do you guys have advice for creatives or production companies that don't work with branded clients but want to start working with branded clients, like what advice would you give them in order to, to break into that lane? One way, I mean, is to make specs. Um, you know, like I remember uh, Warren, he did a spec with our buddy Chris on like a BMW thing, um, you know, and just showing your work, you know, uh, being able to show your work different places, unless, you know, you can put it on LinkedIn or, Instagram and things like that, because you never know who's watching. Um, and then definitely being part of like, you know, going to conferences and panels and things like that, and just being able to show that work. Um, you know, that's one of the only ways of like people actually seeing your work and being able to think like, Oh, I could trust you with this, you know, social media campaign or something like that, you know, and then it kind of grows into other things. But, um, yeah, that's one way of getting those type of deals. What's a spec? I'll say it depends. Like specs, um, it used to be like I feel like specs were a thing where you could like people used to go out and you know do like Nike spots, you know. But I, I everybody I, did I, that. I, <laughs> yeah, everybody did that. Everybody used to go out and do Nike spots and whatever brand they want to work with, and then try to go show that brand and go get that brand to then hire them. I feel like that used to work. Um, to be honest, I don't know what the formula is now. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of like 
um, I mean, even for us, but at the same time, we also did, I don't think we did a, a lot of things out of spec, um, like the race car driver. That wasn't spec to me. That was just us going to do it. So I think it's finding things that aren't necessarily brand heavy and just going to, you know, shoot like humans, film human stories that don't necessarily have a brand that do feel like it could be a part of like a branded content piece that, because that's what everybody likes now is like human stories, you know, like they like to see the real person doing the real thing. And so I feel like, I don't know if it's like specs necessarily or just filming your own stuff, you know, like, 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 like we did in the beginning, you know, um, like at first I did have those Nike spots on that website, but I was like, Nike's never going to like go like, yeah, <laughs> I've seen that on, yeah, I've seen that before, but I guarantee you if you did some like really beautiful like social impact piece, somebody would see that and go like, man, that was a really nice, because it was always, I was always told it's the work that, that it's your personal work that people want to see, not even the, not even the work that you do for brands. I, I used to always get that. Like, what do you have that you've done on your own? that is outside of the brand work. So I could truly see what your voice is. Even doing uh, stuff for like local businesses. Um, I remember that was like a big thing to me. I was like, man, I want to do something that's on, on cable vision, you know, like on this laundromat or something like anything. Um, but as long as you're out there actually like doing the exercise of creating something, um, you know, and creating like a story and a visual, you know, to go with that story. That's, that's what people notice. So yeah, more than, you know, saying like, Oh, here's the shoe and, you know, here's this athlete, but you know, just creating stuff. So just having stuff that people would like to look at. Yeah. And the people will find you. They'll find you. you Yeah. People will find you. People will find you. Like, I mean, that's how we find people, you know, especially like DPs and stuff. I see what they're doing. I look at their websites and sometimes it's the stuff that they don't even like that's non-brand related that I'm like, yeah, I want to work with them or they really know how to use light very well or, you know, things like that. Or So, yeah, I don't even know if there is a playbook. It's always a hard question to answer because I'm like, I don't even know how to tell you to get started because we just... You know, we just happened to start filming stuff and then put it on the website. And But I, honestly, a lot of it was relationships. You know, people saw that people saw that we could shoot and we could film and we can edit and we can run a company. And they're just like, OK, at some point, if you've been in the business for 20 years, I would hope that you would develop friendships that are like, hey, I'm over at Spotify now. I got this project. You want to work on it? Like, that's kind of how it really works um, is utilizing the friendships and the connections you've made over time. Like hope you, hopefully you ain't been an asshole your whole career where nobody wants to work with you. So um, I think that's really it is the relationships of where your, your tribe goes. That's how you really, you know, and you hope that those people will then introduce you to their bosses or their creative people or whatever to bring you in to their you know thing do you guys think that running a production company is for everybody no 
<laughs> no, not at nah. all. <laughs> it, it's you know when it's good, it's good. You know, and there's times you know it's not gonna be good. You know, and it's even as you get bigger and bigger, like you know, there's still struggles and still things. You, you're always learning. Um, if you want something like you know, super steady, Freddie, and like you don't want any problems and you don't want any hurdles, you know, stick to the day job. You know, don't don't even try it. Like, because it takes a lot. Uh, there's a lot of learning, not just as uh, you know, making a great product, but all of the back end that goes with it. You know, all of the insurance and taxes and um, you know, office space and um, oh, people be claiming like uh, their kids on your pay. You know, when when you're like doing freelance work and you know it's an audio dude work with you for like one day and he's claiming his kids on you, like all types of stuff. So if you're not ready for like all the curveballs that can come at you, don't even try it. But if you if you have a dream and if you want to see if you want to expand in life and you want to um, build something that you can be proud of and at the same time be ready for the craziness, you know, it's a good thing to do. Yeah. Cause I think some people get, some people get things mixed up where I think they get wanting to be a director and be super creative mixed up with running a production company. So I think when people try it, they're like, Oh, I didn't know I had to do all this. You know, I have friends who've gotten out of it. They're like, oh, no, I just want to focus on being a director, which I do at some point. But, I mean, why not own the business and run the thing through your production company? But, and that's the diff- That's the hard part is, like, you know, there are a lot of people that say they have one, but as a full-service one, do they, re- you know, are they set up to take on a, you know, $8 million project, you know? Um it, it, it's a difference. I wanted to add, like, um, having a business acumen of some sort, you know, like, coming into this, I, I didn't have any. You know, I would uh, make up our budgets on Word <laughs> or, like, on the email and stuff like that. And uh, I feel like I've been in every bad situation you could be in business-wise. You know, not with even before uh, I got with Warren, you know, when I was doing, I had a company called Kurtworks, and I remember I wanted everybody to get paid exactly what their rate was on time, uh, and I wanted every production to run smoothly, so a lot of times I'll just use these credit cards and, you know, do all the rentals and everything and pay everybody through the nose, didn't know I need to take out stuff for, like, medical and taxes and stuff like that, end of the year end up like crying like like and I, my wife she had uh she had uh suggested that i be part of this uh business class called uh goldman sachs and thousand small businesses and it was kind of like a crash course like b b school it was like a business school like in about six months um you know i'm i'm not good with numbers i'm not good i'm not amazing at business but uh, it teach it taught you it taught me to like the ABCs and how to have like an outlook for the business and you know you know I don't know everything but and we're still learning everything every day but um, 
getting that type of uh, help business-wise, I think that helped us out a lot too. You know, so, uh, but yeah, it's, it's not for, you got to have a strong heart and you got to have a lot of endurance for it. It ain't no joke. Unless you got an investor. Wait, why does that make it different if you have an investor? An investor could be good and it could be bad at the same time. Um, I've seen a lot of companies that have had investors and they're flying and making millions upon millions of dollars because they'll support them with, you know, office space and infrastructure, um, payroll, you name it. You can have up to like, you know, you can have hundreds of people working for you and stuff like that. So, you know, investments, that's, that's hard in, in, uh, African-American side of things like i haven't seen like we haven't had many investors come to us we ju- we're just starting after 10 years for some investors to start even thinking to call us so um it's just something that's in our race it, it just doesn't happen that much in production it does make it very hard to scale um I, like, like 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 you said i've i've never really seen it in the production space even now, sometimes it does get really frustrating because obviously 2020, a whole lot happened, right? Outside of the pandemic, you know, with all, you know, George Floyd and all the, you know, uprising and all that stuff that happened. And of course, like in that, in that time, Black became hot. You know, everybody's looking for Black production companies, looking for Black, looking for people, of, looking for Black folks that are, that they think are doing things in very high spaces that we really didn't get the opportunity to do. So when people ask me like, Warren, you know, like a black animation company, I was like, that don't exist because we never, you know, nobody's really had the opportunity to even start something like that. Like, you know, like, or is there a Warren, you know, anybody that do like, you know, uh, that do car commercials. I'm like, that's not a black space. And I don't know a black director or a black DP that woman or man or whatever, you know, has has directed car commercials. That's a that's a white man's game. Like so, like until somebody gives us the opportunity to do car commercials or, you know, you know, believes that we can do it or trust in us to do it. Like the spaces that, you know, that's just not spaces for that. So, like, you know, and people are like. You know, people, you know, I see people are finding us now looking through certain um, websites and things like that. And they're like, do you know any other black production companies? I'm like, I know like two more that who could fully produce something, you know, from soup to nuts with a very large budget. You know, and even with us, we've done yo and we're still getting questioned like, what's the biggest budget you've done? And I'm like, damn, like, I thought seven, I thought your budget was pretty big so like you know i don't know i think i think um i think there yeah i think that there's this like weird notion that there's like an a, a black embassy role out here somewhere <laughs> or like a black itv somewhere and i'm like that's not really it i mean unless you you know obviously there's tyler ava isa i mean what they're doing is like is is definitely like comparable comparable to that but as far as like a full service black production company where 
you know, I, I see Issa's doing a great job at that. Like, you go on her sets, it's like m- mostly black folks on her sets, but you know, Tyler the same way. He's, you know, on his shows within his studio, but on a lot of like Hollywood sets and stuff like that, and a lot of like big commercial sets, there's still like a gap of like, you know, people are like, Warren, we, we got to make sure you're, and not only do they want us to be black owned, they want our whole entire set to be that way. And I'm like, I don't know that. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll be honest, I don't, <laughs> I don't know where that's going to happen because, you know, where, you know, sadly, like, especially from a union standpoint, like, where are you getting that? Like, it's only a handful of union black editors in LA and they're already swapped. Like, they're taken up. Like, you can't get them, you know? So, and if they're, I'm not saying they aren't out there, but I rarely see it. Really quick, I, I look at like Jesse Collins. Like, I see what he's doing and he seems like the only one that is getting those shots where it's like, and even at, even in the beginning with him, he was like, hey, it's Jesse Collins. Like, I was, you know, I don't know if we can put this in the podcast, but I just thought it was weird when I saw, like, Steven Soderbergh and Jesse Collins co-producing the Oscars. Like, why couldn't he do it himself? And and I don't, I don't know the weeds of that, but I'm sure it was, like, even the first Super Bowl, it was, like, Jesse featuring somebody. And I'm like, I'm sure he's more than capable of doing it. But the following year... Look at him. He does the whole entire show himself. And it was probably one of the best halftime shows in a long time, you know, next to like Prince and Michael Jackson. So I always use him as an example. I'm like, that's, that's, it's always dope to see him as a production company, like, you know, doing what he's doing. I was going to say, uh, back to like, like production companies not, you know, getting like investors and stuff like that. You know, most of the, bigger production companies that are black or, you know, quote unquote black, you know, they have like celebrity endorsements, celebrity backing, things like that. So any celebrities watching this, holler at us. We got the goods because we we know what we're doing and stuff like that because uh, it, um, I, I think that helps a lot, you know, for a lot of these companies to excel, you know, just for that celebrity to back them, invest or, even just give a nod, you know, um, we just got to build each other up, you know, and it has to come from the top down, you know, and the people in the middle are working really hard, you know, we're, we're out here busting our butts. So, uh, yeah, check us out. You know, don't only look at, you know, the top of the top every time. Don't only look at the the ones who are making multi-million shows here and there. Um, there's some people who are making some good quality work who you can trust um, that are on the mid-level. And with those investments, what are the big the big things, the big dreams that Holland West will go on to accomplish? Beyond the work, I would say for me, bringing on like proper uh, uh, people to run the company. Like I would love to invest in like a CEO a business development person, just those key people, like a true, you know, like a couple of writers. I don't know. Like, I, you know, and then from there, because again, I keep using an example. I see what, you know, the, the more things that Jesse's doing, the more people he's bringing on. I'm like, oh, he got a new, like this person and that person. And he's got those key five or six people that are like key that are in most of these bigger institutions to take on large jobs. And then from there, obviously, 
you know, that would give me and Kurt a chance to kind of like get away from the, <laughs> the day to day and go be creative and create five or six pilots a year instead of just one, you know, so we can sell more shows. Cause that's really what it is, is we got to keep the doors open, but we only have a brain space for like one or two pilots a year, if that, you know, uh, so, <laughs> and then have a daily life outside of that. Most companies that, uh, production companies, you know, that are doing well, they have like probably like a hundred, you know, pitches and over 50 tapes out there at the same time. And, you know, that makes it sexy to the agents, you know, they can sell all of that stuff, but, uh, it's hard when you, you know, don't have that, you know, that backing and that, uh, full robust infrastructure behind you to, you know, be able to flourish like that because, yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure I can sit here in this over on top of this garage and come up with a whole bunch of stuff. But yeah, like you said, I don't have the brain space because we got you know we got to take care of so much work. You know, so it's a it's a lot. So um, yeah, we definitely need to. Uh, I can't stress how much that you know we need to invest in ourselves. Uh, we need to invest in our people and invest in the people who are doing the work. Um, because it can only get better from there. Invest in these black men. They're amazing. Kurt, Warren, I'm so grateful. Kurt, I'm so happy I finally got to meet you. Finally. Yeah, me too. Warren, we still got to do our Savannah trip. I was thinking about that the other day, too. We were supposed to do, like, rent a house and go be creative. I know. We can still do it. We can still do okay. it. <laughs> we can still do it. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for y'all time. I'm so grateful. That's possible. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, we get y'all some investors. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, thank we you. Get you some some good you. stuff.